Episode 64, The Simpsons. We're joined by two artists slash animators today. Alex Ruiz from The Simpsons and Bill Meeks from Meeks Mixed Media. Stay tuned, folks. Episode 64, I believe we are at, gentlemen. I can't believe we made it this far. This is the Book Guys Show. I am Paul Alves. Joined this week, as always, by the one and only Afresh from Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas? He tells it all right here on the Book Guys Show. Sir Jimmy, how you doing? Oh, my <laughs> goodness. I, uh, uh, um, yeah, Vegas, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so no, I, I don't see a big wad of cash in your hand or anything. Uh, was this one of your more successful trips or? Oh, uh, you want to, you want to, oh, this, it's on video, but we'll see here. Oh. Viva Las Vegas! Oh yeah! Oh come on! Yes. Come on! <laughs> Go, Sir Jimmy. Yeah. So for, for the audio for listeners, uh, Sir Jimmy is making it rain hundred dollar bills. There's Benjamin's up in his room, and and by the way, the way he keeps that money safe is he stores it inside of a free hollow book. That's right. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of time to talk about freehollowbooks.com later. But, hey, uh, yeah, that... I actually I got lucky a little bit. I, I I won a poker tournament. Nice, nice. And the disembodied voice uh, who's uh, giving us the play-by-play on the video there is Father Robert Balliser, the digital Jesuit, the host of this mm-hmm. week in enterprise technology, and host of the Book Guys Show. How are you doing, Father? Padre. I am freezing my tush off. Uh, it's 20 degrees here in D.C., and our house heating system broke. So oh. it's like um, 36 degrees in my room right now. It's awesome. Oh. And we are joined this week, gentlemen. A professor Alan couldn't make it. He is busy being a professor, doing what professors do. And uh, we are joined by special guests tonight. It's all artist and animator night. We are joined by Alex Ruiz, animator for The Simpsons, and a fantastic artist. I've been going through his website, conceptmonster.net. Lots of great stuff there. And uh, welcome to the show, Alex. Hello. How are you guys doing? Very well. I want, I want, first of all, I want to say thank you for uh, drawing us up as uh, Simpsonizing us, as they say. I'm sure you're sick of people asking you to Simpsonize them. You got it. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, I get a lot of, lot of uh, requests, but... Um, I don't do them all, but for you guys, I did it. You the man. And we're going to be talking Thanks. to Alex, of course, about his uh, his work on The Simpsons and his other artwork that he does. Uh, he has a book also, an art book called Mind Over Machine that we'll talk about. And yes. we are joined once again by our other good friend who is also an animator and an artist. The actually uh, is the creator of our upcoming video intro. Uh, I can't wait to use that once we go video. Hello, Bill Meeks. Howdy, sir. How's it going? It's been way too long. <laughs> yes. I forgot your URL for Mix, uh, Mixed Media. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, MeeksMixedMedia.com. And welcome aboard. So it's all artists, all animators, all the time. 
There we go. <laughs> so we're going to start the, uh, the show off as usual, just to update the listeners on what we've been uh, listening to or reading. Uh, I myself am 10 minutes away from finishing Freedom by Daniel Suarez. I literally didn't have 10 minutes to listen to it before the show and uh, really enjoying that. Uh, Padre, what's up with you? Um, not much. I just finished, uh, well, again, this is going to be something the audio listeners won't be able to, to see immediately, but I stole this off the desk of someone that, oh. uh, was just visiting a while back. <laughs> and I, little, for uh, folks at home, that is the presidential seal on some kind of device. Is that like the, uh, pre- did box, you get the box of chocolates? Okay, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so Padre, of course, was at the inauguration. How was it? Cold. Uh, it was cold. It was crowded. It was crazy, crazy crowded. Uh, made more so by the fact that the uh, Department of Homeland Security did this weird thing where they split the, the capital into two parts, and you couldn't cross from one part to the other without walking 29 blocks. So it was a little, oh, little wow. yeah, exhausting. But, you know, it, it's one of these things where I, I will never do it again. I never want to do it again. I never want to think about doing it again. But I can say I did it once. <laughs> yeah, I've got some Three stats right? here. Uh, 1,100 portable to- toilets. 28,189 seats for spectators along the parade route, 147 horses in parade, including two from Toronto. How neat is that? 250,000 free tickets issued. Good Lord. What an event. Plus one guy up a tree uh, in our section, which was right at the Capitol building. Um, (laughs) A man climbed, it had to be about 45 to 50 feet to the top of a tree and just started yelling at Obama. <laughs> um, now, to their credit, to their credit, the the Secret Service did it the right way. They took two ladders, they braced the tree so the tree wouldn't snap, and they left them up there. They basically said, "Okay, True. when you when you get tired, come down." But they they didn't they weren't going to like tase them and make them fall to his death or anything. It was, it was right. uh, interesting sideshow. Interesting. In medieval times, that's how you got the job as the court jester. Right. Well, <laughs> there was a group of us in the crowd because he was getting really loud. We wanted to lasso the top of the tree and do like a comic book esque. Yeah, bend the tree down and let it go and fling him into the reflection pool. That would be great. Uh, You always got to have one heckler, at least. Absolutely. Or it's not a show. It makes the event. Now, Bill, have you been reading anything lately? Anything on your uh, Kindle or on your iPad? I I have been listening to uh, some uh, audio dramas lately, actually. Uh, Big Finish. Uh, they, do, they do a series of Doctor Who audio dramas, and I've been working my way through the first season of the Eighth Doctor story, because I always liked his portrayal in the TV movie they did back in 96, and I was like, I always want to see more of this guy, and I kind of gave up hope on the, of them ever putting him on the show proper. Yes. So, so uh, I've been listening to that. It's been really, really good so far. I, I love the entire Paul McGann series. Uh, he's, he's, I think... Uh, based mostly on his performance in the crappy Fox movie and uh, his performance as a, a disembodied voice in the Big Finish audio, he's probably one of the best doctors. I can't mm. wait to see him on screen. And we have some news. Uh, I kind of just sort of made this up in my head and posted, wouldn't this be great, a couple months ago on Twitter. And uh, there's now rumors coming out that what I was thinking would be the most awesome 50th anniversary episode is going to be the 50th anniversary episode. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Alex, anything on your plate, book-wise, audiobooks? Too busy uh, animating The Simpsons? Well, <laughs> yeah, it's all Simpsons all the time. No, it's actually, um, I've been listening, re-listening, not re-listening, listening to the entire Harry Potter audiobook series. Oh, nice. Are you listening to the uh, the, the uh, English voice or the American voice? Stephen Fry. Yes. 
English. Yes, yeah. that's how I listen. You got it's magical. You got to have a British voice. Yeah. <laughs> Those uh, are great. Yeah. It's, it's am- amazing. You're a man after my own heart. Not too long ago, I started going back through all the books, the e-books, uh-huh. just because I'd forgotten, and I, yeah. you know, I never had a chance to read them all at one shot. But now I'm now I'm going to listen to the audio version. Yes, do the Stephen Fry one. It's fantastic. Stephen Fry. Yeah, you can't go Brilliant. wrong with Stephen Fry. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start off. We'll talk to Alex about his time on The Simpsons. You're still with The Simpsons, I assume. How long have you been uh, an animator for The Simpsons? Wow. Well, it, lately it's been on, kind of on and off. It's um, let's see. I started in ninety five, nineteen ninety five. Wow. How long have yeah. they been on the air? Twenty two years. Twenty two years. Challenging oh, Doctor Who 20. soon for most <laughs> longest running show. I What's think. What's Doctor Who at? Uh, I believe it? not continuous. It's fifty years, but I believe they're in their twenty ninth season. I could be wrong. But, wow. but Simpsons is continuous. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Years. Yes. So yeah. They own that crown. Yeah, so I was there for, let's say, about eight and a half years, and then I went to the product side. So I designed the toys and all the, the merchandise and anything you saw, like a Simpson sticker on, I designed. If you saw a Simpson toilet seat cover, I'd probably design I actually have one on my shelf at home. I was looking at your website, conceptmonster.net, uh-huh. uh, and going through it. The Simpsons in the theater. Yes. And, and, and that's brilliant, because... I. I only bought it to put it on my bookshelf at home just because each and every character in that little toy is doing something that is totally that character. It was uh-huh. so well drawn and I, amazing that I can now meet the man who uh, came up with the concept. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, Todd McFarlane's company, Spawn. Yes. Created those. Make some great uh, collectibles. Yeah, so, yeah. So. Um, finished up, was there for four years, and then I went back to the show after that because um, there was really nothing else to do. Um, but in the meantime, uh, when I was designing the products, I started to get into learning conceptual design, learning Photoshop and digital painting. So I, my art completely took a different turn. I started doing creatures, mon- you know, monsters, sci-fi environments, spaceships, um, completely different to cartoons. So now I just kind of do both, both things. Yeah, I'm looking at your uh, the cover of your book here, Mind Over Machine. I am going to pick one up on. Is it available on Amazon? Uh, not physical? yet. I just okay. kind of did a, an initial run, but yeah, you can let me know, and you can you can actually buy it right through that. I think the site you're looking at. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Are you at the blog? Yeah, or it should take you to a blog. I'm still working it all out. The business end of art is. Yeah, <laughs> Alex, I, I, I got something I got to ask you, and, yes. and that is, um, you're well known as being one of the very last to switch over to digital. Um, I yeah. mean, you're you, you're famous for putting things down on paper. That's how you your process works. Um, and of course, going to digital is well, it's different. I mean, it's in some way it takes the heart and soul out of it, but otherwise, it gives you the ability to to do weird things in 3D space. What has that been like for you? Because, I mean, obviously, so invested in this process, uh, you could be, even be called a traditionalist. Going all digital had to be kind of a shock, right? Yeah, well, like you said, it de- definitely did. The show did lose a little of its heart and soul when it went digital. And, uh, um, yeah, now it's all drawn on Cintiqs, the digital screens. No more paper. I was actually probably the last animator to work on paper because I couldn't 
even though I do digital conceptual work, I didn't like animating on this weird screen. It right. took all of the fun out of it. So it really did change the show as far as the production end, but the show looks, it looks bigger, right? You have more crowds, you right. have lots of cool camera moves, you can do anything visually that you couldn't really do when it was on paper, but the process of actually working on the show kind of has lost its fun because it's very technical, there's no paper, there's no more drawings right. around anywhere. Um, so, yeah, definitely lost something. Now, I noticed hey, that the... Now, sorry, so go ahead, Jimmy. I was just going to ask about uh, something, uh, Family Guy. Sometimes you're watching Family Guy, and you can tell when they made a switch to where everything looks totally different. Did they ever do a show like that show on paper? Or did they make a s- software change? W- what was What's going on? Yeah, I think with that show and the same with The Simpsons and any show that goes past three or four years is that the design of the show evolves and gets better. If you look at early Simpsons, you know, it looks, it's yeah, like the wacky. Tracy Ullman show stuff. Yeah. Everything insane. was wiggling. Just, yeah. <laughs> <It's wacky. laughs> Same with family guy. And then, you know, the show goes on and gets more money, more better artists. Right. And you can refine the show. So that's basically what happens when the show changes like that. It's, it's really just the evolution of the show and designer saying, you know what? This character looks kind of crappy. We should like make a little bit, a bit more appealing. Well, easier I'm, to animate too. A lot of this digital um, animation now, I'm told, is done in Korea. How do you work with the the teams in in Korea? Like, what is uh, you in uh, Studio City, California? I believe is where you're at. And um, how do you work with the teams in Korea to get this all done? And how long does it take to do an episode? Well, first of all, we all have to learn Korean, so we're all fluent in Korean. <laughs> <laughs> would have been you had me going there for a sec I was about yeah. to be amazed <laughs> um, basically the reason we do it in Korea is because it's cheaper and it's not at all slave labor it's not a sweatshop like they show it in the actual episode It's they have a very nice studio over there right um, so um, basically it takes from beginning from when the script is written to when it's aired six to eight months. Wow. Okay. So quite a while for so one episode. Slightly longer than South Park. <laughs> oh, well, that's six, not days. six days. Six days. But, uh, of course. I mean, obviously, but of course the Simpsons yeah. animation is 5,000 times superior. So you can see why it right. takes time. Yeah. Simpsons yeah, did it. People equate it, you know, they're like, Oh, Simpsons in South Park looks the same. Why does it take? So-? I'm like, dude, get out of here. No, I, you know, it, it's the comedy that's, uh, exactly. They're both funny, relevant shows. That's why people equate them. But I mean, uh, visually, you can't compare them. No way. Right. Yeah. I mean, South Park going yeah. back to felt cutouts would probably be an upgrade. You know, just like they did before yeah. it was a paper cutout. You know. Uh huh. And I mean, yeah. I think it, it just makes it easier. South Park can go and do a show about the inauguration next week. Mm-hmm. You know that. I think that's what they're going for. Just trying to stay. You know, exactly. super timely. So they've made. Yeah, they probably will. They're probably working on one right now. But you know, The Simpsons <laughs> does seem to stay relevant regardless of the six month lead time. I mean, how it do does. how do you do that? How does that happen? The the writers are geniuses. They can kind of you know predict what is going to be in you know 
a fad in six months. Or, you know, they have a kind of a second chance, if you will. When the show, um, when we work on it, we take um, the show from them, basically do all the artwork. It goes to Korea. And then when it comes back, they still have a few little, just a maybe a month window to write in a few current jokes, take some out that, that were completely irrelevant and add in just a couple here or there. But essentially it's all done in the beginning. So they're fantastic writers. How closely do you work with the writers? Cause I mean, uh, you know, scenes like uh, Springfield, Springfield, it's a hell of a town. Like how close do you work with the writers and the, the, the musicians to, I mean like a, a musical score like that, where there's a dancing and, choreography involved you know even though it's virtual you know animated yeah. character choreography you still have to work with the this song like how close do you work with these people yeah well it's it's gotten down to such a very specific science that um we don't work at all with them and you know to be completely honest there is a kind of a large gap between the art side and the writing side Oh, okay. Um, you, you wouldn't know it uh, uh, just as a, a watcher, yeah. a viewer. You wouldn't know it. I, I would thought you guys had meetings every day. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like we so, live together. Yeah, might as yeah. You can tell everyone that, that it works. <laughs> you know, Whatever you got going on, you know. Yeah, they're in Century City on the other side of the hill. We're in Burbank. Um, you know, twenty miles apart. Wow. Um, there's a meet, uh, you know, one or two meetings between, say, the director of the episode who works with us and some of their writers and producers. But other than that, everyone just does their own thing, and it all just kind of works out in the end. See, that's that's amazing to me because it, I think that's one of those common misconceptions that people have, especially in uh, you know the Photoshop age, that mm-hmm. people don't know what the animators do in something like the Simpsons and in, in, in a grand process like that, where you actually do have writers and animators and directors. Can you describe a little bit about where you fit in that, in that process? I mean, what kind of cues are you given from the writers? And then I'm assuming that they just let you go wild, right? I mean, they, they basically say, we need this to happen, bring it to life. That's kind of pretty much it in a nutshell. They, they write a script and that script is kind of, you know, evolved through its own process. They have a, a team of anywhere between 10, 20 writers. They have um, Al Jean, the super, supervising producer on the show. And they just kind of come up with a story, the entire script. They record the voices, and then they hand off all. They hand off those things to us. The script, the audio track, and we create the art from that. Sounds simple. Might be a good thing to have a little bit of a disconnect because you, then you get, you know, uh, carte blanche to do what you want to do as far as the animation. I mean, someone like Bill Meeks over there, uh, he's probably at one point while doing our intros, uh, you know, sitting there thinking, this Paul guy is such a pain in my, you know, what. <laughs> where, where in your case, you know, the Paul, person Paul, just we're, says. We're all saying that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, some, Paul, people are, you know, some people are, fun, you know, nice, fun great people to hang out with and then once you start working with them they're just total pricks you know but yeah, that's like, just the way it like is like all these you know? book guys yeah <laughs> uh, Alex this is a family rated show so we prefer the term douchebag yes <laughs> <laughs> douchebag absolutely 
I love when the Padre is a jerk or a nice guy. uh, The same ink is used to sign the checks. That's right. (laughs) I just I love it when the Padre is the one that flags the the episode explicit. (laughs) (laughs) Douchebag is okay. Douchebag is okay. We're still family friendly. That's okay. Yeah. (laughs) We'll try to keep it family friendly for this show because I'm sure a lot of people want to hear more about uh, what you do on the Simpsons. (laughs) Can you bleep out? That thing I said and put in douchebag since douchebag's okay. Yeah, uh, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, ah, so you've been there for a while, and and okay. So, what's what's an average workday for you? Like, what are you doing? What are you actually? How much of the art are you actually putting on those screens, and how much is being done in Korea? I mean, are you doing a portion, or are you giving them a a, a framework to work with? Yeah, basically, we give them. Uh, an outline, if you will, like take the drawing that I I did for you guys. If you see that drawing, um, it's basically four static shots, four different heads. Right. In order to animate those, you're going to need several hundred thousand other drawings to make them move and fluid and stuff like that. So what we do here are the main drawings of those thousands of drawings. So let's say, you know, Homer's, you know, drinking a beer or something we do say this pose and then this pose contact with the mouth right and then back so that's three drawings but let's say it takes how many frames a second does it yeah yeah it's 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 24 frames a second okay do two we do one um 12 drawings per second it's shot twice so it comes out to 24 frames a second. Okay. So 12 drawings for one second of animation. So when you count one 1,000, that's 12 drawings that wow. have potentially gone by. So it's a lot of drawings. So well, we'll do the three out of you know the 40 or so, and right. they're going to do 37. So they sort of so, extrapolate what should be happening in between these. So you're still doing quite a bit of the, the work here. I mean uh, – like you yeah. said, if, if you're doing, you know, one, two, three, just for drinking a beer. Exactly. Okay, so it's not like a, you're writing a storyboard. You're actually, you're in there. Okay. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, we're looking at the storyboards. That art has been done basically in between, um, you know, the script and handing it off to us is storyboards. So that's all done. So we have basically a boarded comic book version of the episode that we can look at and see uh, here's the composition of this scene. We know what's going to happen. We know who's in it. We know the dialogue. And then I'll get it and basically flesh out all the characters and make them on model, which is a term to make them look, you know, as they should. And, um, you know, apply all little nuances. So you listen to a track and you hear things that you think should be in there. You just right. draw them in and, and add them in and put a little bit of yourself in there. So every time I take a drink of beer, that's 24 frames. Um, <laughs> this should, I should be losing weight. You should be. That's, wow, that's a big workout. <laughs> what kind of, just uh, out of my own curiosity, what kind of yeah. software do you guys use in the studio? It's a program um, called Harmony, and it's, within that program, it's um, – are you familiar with that program? I, I think I've heard of it. I mean, not, I haven't yeah. used it or anything. Like there's there's harmony, and within that there's Tune Boom, and then there's Scene Machine, and there's all these little programs in there that that kind mm. of will do the job. But like I said, nothing compares to drawing on paper, and mm-hmm. that's where it kind of just lost a little of its. The yeah, harmony is inexpensive. It's the uh, factory full of Korean workers in Korea that costs all the money. <laughs> 
actually, I got a question about that. So that that process is called is that uh, in betweening, right? Yeah. So um, my question is, when let, let's say we've got a starting animator, would a starting animator be expected to to actually participate in that, go up through the process, work on in betweening before becoming a master animator? Yeah, ideally, it, just an animation in general, but an animator should know how to in between really well. Um, the Simpsons never had in betweening here. Um, everyone who started basically started as a keyframe animator, which I'm sure as Bill knows at Disney, that's the highest role you can get. Oh, yeah. You start as an in betweener, and then you work your way up to assistant in betweener, and then like clean up and then coffee guy and right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that hierarchy coffee guy yeah, yeah no I, I'm not an That's in-betweener yeah. so for animators coffee is very important That's exactly, right. exactly it's cold filter so, yeah, we just did uh, yeah we did all the key stuff on the Simpsons everyone was just kind of equally doing that and then in Korea they were all of the in-betweeners so we would give them basically sheets called timing sheets which tells them okay we need five drawings between this one we're giving you and this one we're giving you. And then these, these sheets were just go on forever. It's huge stacks of timing. You know, just- when, when do the, okay, I guess you get the, the voices are recorded beforehand and you're syncing to the voice yep. work. So did, did you get to, did you get to meet Hank and any of the other, uh, you know, the voices of the Simpsons or, or do they work with you at all on a daily basis? Or? Yeah. They're pretty much, again, on the other side. They're in Century okay. City at Fox. And um, I've, I've met them all many times at parties. They're great, fun people. I can imagine. I've never asked them to do the voices. <laughs> they, you know, it's, it's like asking someone to Simpsonize. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you a douchebag. <laughs> it's way easier for them to just spit out a voice than to yeah. draw something anyway. But they're all great people. Hank is awesome. Uh, Dan. Um, they're all great. Julie Kavner, who does Marge's voice, she lives in New York. So she does the show kind of like what we're doing here. You know, she'll record it in a mic booth all by herself. And, you know. Fantastic. She's got it pretty easy. That's, that'd be yeah, nice. Yeah, just, I, like, don't, I don't think they get along. That's, the, <laughs> that's not a secret. I think that's just common. That, that's not a replaceable voice. Oh, yeah. None of them are. And they tried to... Um, audition other people for voices a few years back when there was a big strike and they kind of secretly right. tried to scab, find scabs. who yeah, you can't do it because there's no way I mean how many no seasons way. now 28 seasons and those voices yeah, are ingrained in society yeah. I mean one yeah. slight if, if Hank has a cold that episode oh, for me would be off I'd say yeah. hey what's wrong here you know <laughs> exactly and yeah Hank does the most voices he does like 15 major voices wow do they do a lot of processing on the voices or is hank doing it all uh, vocally i know the south park guys use a lot of uh, post-processing yeah yeah they'll speed up the voices yeah. right um no hank's it's exactly as it comes out of his mouth it's amazing wow. hank looks like he's already simpsonized in real life <laughs> <laughs> he's, they've all become you know simpson characters so uh, going from the, the voice act, let's go all the way up to the totem pole. And I'm going to assume that by this time, uh, Mr. I believe it's pronounced Graining, Matt Graining, mm-hmm. is not involved with the show so much anymore. I could be wrong. Yeah, you're right. He's kind of, you know, kind of on the outskirts. I think he'll maybe come in occasionally to have a hand in um, 
maybe a specific show that he feels he needs to interject on, but otherwise he's just kind of doing his own thing, doing his comic, doing, I don't know if they're doing Futurama anymore. Oh, um, Futurama's back, baby. Is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's way more involved than that. That's one thing I noticed when, when Futurama came out and they had all those three-dimensional turns, the sh- spaceship and all, yeah. was that about the time when the Simpsons decided to go with the digital as well? Because I noticed it was kind no, of a breakthrough. When... Their... Yeah, that was just their own approach because they, you know, they were doing spaceships and flying through the solar system. So they right. needed a better system to do all that. So 3D was the way to go. So they were using... Yeah, because The Simpsons is more of a like a traditional sitcom where you got three walls. There's the crew, right? But I mean, uh, what I guess I enjoyed the uh, the older animation that was more fluid and looked more hand drawn. But there are scenes now, huge scenes, like you said, crowd scenes and you know, yeah. uh, large spaces that the camera turns, and that is kind of cool. So I guess a little bit of good comes with the bad, and uh, it seems exactly. to work. Exactly, because now crowds, there's crowds are so easy to do because you can mass duplicate, just like you were in Photoshop. You just click right. a button and you have a crowd. Yeah, multiplication. Whereas, you know, back is in easy. the day, you would have to draw out each one, crowd, yeah. every little character, and if they're waving or if they're running, forget about it. Hey, you, you were talking uh, early, Alex, about putting uh, yourself into your work, and uh, a little birdie, a little birdie called Reddit, told me that <laughs> you sometimes do. You did a, a, a for the folks at home. Alex did a uh, ask me anything on Reddit. It takes a lot of balls to do that, but <laughs> he did that, and uh, people did ask him anything. Believe me or not, uh, yeah. some of those comments got deleted. But um, <laughs> I, I was told that uh, you, you did say that you did sometimes put yourself literally into your work. You and your friends sometimes uh, appear in crowd scenes. Is yes. that is that still allowed? Is that something you just kind of snuck in? Yeah, we snuck it in, and it was it was okay, depending on say who the director was. Right, the the crew and the experience was much like kind of what we're doing here. You know, everybody was just some people are cool, some people are not. You know, some people are like, yeah. oh, you can't do that. So if the director, if you were friends with the director, they would say, do this crowd, and you know, if you want, you can. I guess it's harder now because the Simpsons universe of characters has expanded so much over the years that unless the crowd is like 200 people, you could fill that hundred person crowd with actual residents of Springfield. So I'm I'm sure it's, it's more difficult now to slip in Alex Ruiz in the background when you could put in Hans Molman or something, (laughs) right? Yeah. It wouldn't be allowed now because the production side of the show also changed. And I think that also harmed it the way that it's just kind of processed. So, So there's no hope of these guys ever making it into a crowd. (laughs) <laughs> Not unless you become famous and, and become a voice on the show. Okay. And for the folks at home, I was, I was holding up this week's uh, podcast album art, which may be next week's podcast album art and permanent podcast album art. Nice. Nice. <laughs> that's the closest we're ever going to get to The Simpsons right there, Paul. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's pretty good, I'd say, for where things are now. Yeah. So I, I think I'm in maybe, I don't know, five or six episodes nice. as a character in the back <laughs> brilliant you know, making sure that my hair was the right color because then you know you hand it off to the color department and they're going to pick colors for 
the skin okay. and the hair and the clothes. Okay, because so, you're you're sketching you're sketching like this, like our album art. It's you're you're not sending color. There's a is it what is it called a colorite colorist? Yeah, well, back in the day, it was um, cell painted, right? Painted on plastic celluloid film, and now it's just digital. It's just click, right. click, click. So no more collectible cells. I mean, like the, some of the most Nothing. expensive, yeah, no more cells things yeah. in, in the universe yeah, are some that. of the old Disney cells. Oh so, yeah. So I'm sure. That there, so how many seasons do they do it with the traditional cell animation? Probably up till sixteen, seventeen. Wow. Maybe 18. That's yeah. a lot of uh, 24 frames per second. Now, do they do these cells get destroyed, reused, or do they all go no, to... No, they're, they're archived and, and uh, warehoused. Really? So, Much. like, Fox has and, them yeah, in Warehouse 13? They sell, they sell them back to us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> they have these uh, art How nice. sales. <laughs> yeah, discounted. <laughs> so, every year you go to the art sales. So, what would it, one cell from The Simpsons go for? Well, discounted, it's like $350 wow. for a discount. That's like half off. And wow. then you're looking through your things and you see a drawing you did and it's packaged nicely with the Fox emblem and it's sealed. A you know, hundred bucks wow. for a drawing that took you five minutes and right. know, they want you to buy it back. It's kind of messed up. <laughs> well, so hey, this is our Jimmy. I remember back in when I was in third grade, me and my, my friend Dougie, we – Got, we started a little business after we quit selling cinnamon toothpicks to our classmates, and we developed a, <laughs> we developed a, a cartoon, a, a comic book that was called Super Mouse. I, I, I remember hardly anything about it, but I remember drawing um, these comic books during lunchtime and all this, and then selling them to people. And it lasted maybe I don't know a few weeks till we got bored with it. But I'm just wondering. What was like? Do you remember the first time you made like a little flip book and animated a character? And do you what? What's, what do you do? You still have any of these things? You know, sadly, I think uh, maybe about ten years ago, when I was kind of at a point where I, I was moving offices or whatever, I just kind of I chucked a lot of that old stuff, and oh, I man. wish I didn't. It's yeah. so sad. It was just it was the drawings I did when I was five and six, and seven. Mm-hmm. And for years and years, it's just lugging them around with me. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to want these. And then now, I just I want them. But it's, so they're all just gone. They're all. And, you know, it happens. You know, my my first <laughs> podcast before podcasts were invented it was a cassette tape of me and my friends uh, prank calling all the our other friends' parents. I lost that cassette tape. <laughs> Would have made a good podcast. That's awesome. Because you can't prank That's call awesome. anymore. It's. Pretty much done with yeah. the, jer- the right jerky boys ruined it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, you still have your memories. Wait, wait, what were some of your favorite cartoons growing up? Wow, um, man, you guys remember uh, the Beverly Hills Teens? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I, I just said that. I really enjoy that. I mean, of course, I like Voltron and all that stuff, you know. But there was these shows that had so much character you know and mm-hmm. it was that show and a whole slew of other shows along that line i'm totally uh, blanking out on those but um, of course all the disney stuff but i didn't know mm-hmm. i wanted to be an animator until i was when i was 16 i saw uh, aladdin and mm-hmm. I, right then and there i was like this is what i'm gonna do nice and, and here you are worked and here i am and now i really don't want to do it anymore 
<laughs> I, I like that you bring up Voltron because I think in Voltron every episode only had eight keyframes and they just repeated it over and over again. Static. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I, I, I want to move beyond The Simpsons because yeah. there's, this, there's been this question burning in the back of my head. I, I'm looking at your conceptual art and it is so, so different than anything yes. I've ever seen from you before. I mean, it's, not, it's definitely not Simpsons. And yes. it's dark and it's edgy and it's yes. moody and you've got the sci-fi flow with it. Um, I mean, is that is that where your heart resides now? I mean, doing Simpsons for so long is is that where all your imaginative imaginative juices get poured into? Pretty much, yeah. The Simpsons is just kind of you know that's the steady thing. It's you know the the thing you can count on, um, but it allows me to basically fund this other craft, you know, yes. to create these, these books and to, you know, have art shows and have my stuff printed out. Um, it's really hard to get steady work as a, concept, a conceptual artist or doing sci-fi fantasy work. It's very difficult. Now, looking at your art, right. Alex, I mean, uh, it seems like a, a perfect fit for you to work with, uh, like a video game studio or, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, if you're if you're a video game working in a video game studio and uh, you're listening to the show, check out Mind Over Machine, the art of Alex Ruiz uh, over at ConceptMonster.net. Uh, wow, loving this stuff here. Thanks. Yeah, and I did. I worked um, with with Activision um, for about six months, and that project was canceled. And then I mm. went to work on Sony. Was that the sequel another... to the ET game? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> there was an ET game. Yeah, it was, yeah, a, it was a transform. It was a Transformers game that got canceled. Okay, and uh, every everybody was just so excited about it. it was going to come out with the third Transformers movie, Michael Bay's third movie. And a year and a half into it, I was only on it six months. They're like, "This, it's over." Wow. So that happens a lot on these projects. And I was at Sony. I'm in the same situation there. You know, six months I created awesome. Uh, fantasy artwork and then they're like all right well this is really not going anywhere so and i was like this really happens a lot outside and that must be disappointing i mean you're pouring your heart out for a year or whatever and yeah then it gets canceled (laughs) and then i think you know i'm i'm gonna go back to the simpsons i know that you know that's gonna go keep going on I know I'm going to make a certain amount of money there that's going to be able to you know, give me the, the finances and free time to do this other stuff, which I really love. Just Yeah, it's, it's definitely I not looking, Alex, like The Simpsons is going away anytime soon. Uh, hopefully we'll get another <laughs> 10 years out of you guys. <laughs> Keep yeah. whipping those Korean animators. <laughs> Actually, I believe The Simpsons did do a response to some of the people talking about the Korean thing. And there were one of the intros... Yes, brilliantly done. Whose idea was that? That was genius. You know, yeah, you know the uh, the graffiti artist uh, Banksy. Okay, you guys familiar with him? Yes, he mm-hmm. wrote that. He wrote You're it. kidding! Exit through the gift shop, yeah. Banksy. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, they actually approached him, and I think it's just so ironic that he's like so Mister anti-establishment, anti-the man, anti-corporation. And he's writing an intro for Fox. Love it. Here's a giant check. (laughs) And he's like, sure. And he writes the thing. Like, no one knows who the guy is. But um, so, yeah, he wrote that whole thing out. And it's 
It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember it was you know, they show they show the animators chained to their desks yeah, in Korea in a cave, you know, and they're like yeah. pouring puppies into a grinder to make the Simpsons uh, <laughs> merchandise. It was well done. Yeah. Uh, if I can find a, a link, uh, I will put yeah, it in yeah. the show oh, yeah. notes. You can find it on YouTube. Yeah, okay. he actually wrote some things into that that they had to uh, they had to take out. I mean, because Korea thought they thought it was pretty funny because they're not like that over there. And there were some things that he wrote that they're like, we're not, we're not going to do this. They just said, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> but you know, they went pretty far, though. I mean, yeah, they did. <laughs> so I, I will, I will put. If you're listening from iTunes, uh, go to bookguys.ca. It'll be episode 64. Uh, title yet to be announced, but look for episode 64 in that post. I am going to put a link. Uh, I'll put a little video window to the YouTube to check out that uh, Banksy intros. Very interesting. Nice. Yeah, that's a funny one. So, gentlemen, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're well past the half mark. We'll take a little break. We'll come back with Alex Rees, Bill Meeks. Stay tuned. We will be right back. We're going to refill our drinks, refill our pipes, right. whatever. <laughs> You're all grown-ups. You do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I am Alec Eric from DrWhoSociety.com. You are listening to The Book Guy Show. This is Father Robert Balasare, the digital Jesuit from Twyatt, this week in Enterprise Tech, and you're listening to The Book Guys. Hey, Paul. This is Orson Scott Card. I thought I was the book guy. Now I find out you're the book guy. What am I? Oh, I guess I'm just the author of Ender's Game. Okay. And we're back before we continue chatting with Alex Ruiz and Bill Meeks. I uh, just want to let everybody know, bookguys.ca slash Santa, S-A-N-T-A, for those of you who can't spell Santa, <laughs> bookguys.ca slash Santa. Once again, we're doing the Operation Santa Claus uh, for those Americanos and Canadians. Uh, this, what this does is um, we are donating uh, books and audiobooks for the Canadian troops who are out in theater out uh, and I believe we're in something like forty countries right now. Believe it or not, uh, so that they can have something to do, you know, in the evening, a book to read, something to take their mind off where they are. Sometimes it's an s hole. I don't want to say the word because <laughs> we're trying to keep it clean today, uh, but it's something to you know, cheer them up. So um, last year, a couple of local authors here did uh, actually signed each one of their copies of their books and said, you know, thanks for your service. And uh, sent us a bunch. And uh, some of them didn't make it out last year because the cutoff is actually August because these things go by boat to wherever they're going. So we're going to try to make a uh, donation in before June. And there's a great way if you're an independent author and you've got a, hey, you've got a bunch of your books printed and they're sitting in your living room and you want to get eyeballs on them. Uh, this is a great way. S- you know, Send us 12 books. Send us 10 books. And I guarantee you, that book is going to be read by 30 or 40 different soldiers out in the field or, or you know, people who support uh, the soldiers and the war fighters. Uh, great way to get eyeballs on your book or your, I was going to say earballs or, or, you know, ears on your audio book. Um, we're making a group donation right now. We've got about well, half a, a skid, a pallet of audiobooks books uh, from us. And uh, with your donations, we can make this a, a skid or two and let's try to get some books in the soldiers' hands. Operation Santa Claus, bookguys.ca slash Santa has all the info you need. There you go. That's my spiel. <laughs> it's a good cause. It's a good cause. And we're back with Alex Ruiz, animator for The Symptoms and artist over at conceptmonster.net. Great stuff there. And with Bill Meeks, of course. We'll talk to Bill in a bit. 
Uh, so, Alex, I'm going to ask you a question. Which oh, Simpson God. character aren't you sick of drawing? <laughs> aren't I? Um, well, Krusty uh, the Clown is kind of my favorite mm-hmm. all-time character. He's uh, a schizophrenic clown drunk, <laughs> you know, mixed with so many other things. But it, it was funny because when I a couple of years when I was on the show, I just, um, I was giving a big scene with Krusty where he's kind of mimicking a, uh, an auction house guy and he's, he's just wasted. And it was a big challenge for me for him to kind of do all this stuff. And the directors were impressed by it. So whenever Krusty scenes came up, they just kind of handed them off to me. And you're you're the go-to Krusty guy now. I I was the (laughs) go-to Krusty guy for a while. And, um, and I just, I still love drawing him. And I think how that um, initially the AMA started was um, a drawing that my girlfriend posted. She'd set up the whole AMA. It was all her. She, okay. You know, made so she's, she's the, the, the real Redditor. She's the, she's the, she's the real Redditor. <laughs> yeah. All credit to, to her. Um, folks, we're, we're, uh, for the means- folks at home, we're talking about reddit.com, R-E-D-D-I-T.com, yes. uh, a place where you can uh, subscribe to, various topics that you enjoy and you know uh it's sort of like a group hive mind thing and you you better like cats if you go there you have to like cats a lot <laughs> <laughs> uh but it it was um kind of just started from one drawing that i did and it was it was kind of a tradition i have whenever i get on a plane i always pull out the the bark bag and i draw on the bark bag a, a vomiting crusty and you just leave it there for the next and person so, and i do i leave it there that's awesome and so Wait, what airlines do you yeah fly? i wonder how many <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna start looking at bar was, uh, now. <laughs> yeah no one yeah I, I sign my name on it i don't put my number or anything but i just think it's a nice treat to who if they're cleaning it out maybe the person right. will keep it if someone you know reaches in and finds that maybe it's a nice little treat for them so you know that was posted on reddit and then it just kind of kind of went from there you know nice so yeah crusty is um crusty's the the, the guy he's they're the man. all great they're all fun to draw <laughs> so the simpsons uh continues of course uh any 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 idea do you think when when will the simpsons finally stop will it stop Will it go on? I mean, we've already discussed the the voices uh, being so pivotal to the show, and you know, I, I'm sure that a lot of the voice actors have they had they not been handed you know a larger sum of money every year, probably <laughs> wanted to move on to something else. But uh, do you see The Simpsons going on past uh, Hank and Dan leaving? Is this a possibility? Um, I don't think the show can survive without any of them. The, the five major voices um the the their contract is up like pretty much a year from now maybe right. 11 months from now um in which they'll renegotiate um if they are not given what they want then the show is over right so i mean the simpsons is still one of the is this not one of the top fox shows still to this day or oh yeah it's fox's biggest money maker yeah mm-hmm. so but it all comes down to the voice actors. Let's say that, you know, come time for a negotiation, they want a million per episode. Right. Um, which they're, 
I believe they're getting seven hundred now. Is that all? Not, we, know, we get more than that. <laughs> I made more than that last night. Sometimes we sometimes we can do voices too. Thank you. Come again. That was a good food. Yeah. That's right. So is it is it cheaper to make a Simpsons episode than it is to make uh, a CSI? I mean, what's the what's the correlation Let's there? See, the, the cost. Well, now it's gone up a lot more when you factor in uh, the voice actors. Yeah. You know it. Yeah, it just seemed like a few years ago it costs a million dollars to make a Simpsons episode, which is not a lot compared to other shows. Right. But now it's you know. Whether they're making five hundred or seven hundred thousand per episode, that's just the voices. So, but, but I mean, just the merchandising that Fox is making off the Simpsons oh has got to oh recoup yeah. any you know disparity it, in the, in the really numbers does. per episode. Yeah, yeah. The merchandise. The Bartman alone. dolls could fund a small nation, <laughs> <laughs> like Korea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it employs Korea. Yeah. How many animators are there uh, in Korea and in the states? How many total work on each episode? Um, let's see, there's, um, at the studio, there's anywhere between, well, if we split it up in teams, there's seven directors working on one episode at once. So you have a studio that has, um, each director has, uh, an assistant director, which I was for a while. It's basically the same thing. You animate, you draw, you kind of lead the team. And then within that, uh, team, you have maybe five to six animators you have a couple of background artists um you have a a timer so it's it sounds like a small team to do one episode but then when it goes to korea there's about maybe a hundred people per episode so it it really adds up so so seven teams six months yeah that's 14 episodes Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my so math. My math is um, the extent of my math. Okay. <laughs> Seven <laughs> times two. All right, let's let's fudge that math a little. So we have it. Let's say it, it takes six months to make it, but we will have it three to four months. Okay. Um, okay. On the art side on the American art side. So okay. the first month you have the writing. The second, third, fourth month you have the art on this side. Um, the fifth month and sixth month potentially you have in Korea and it comes back and then you need another month for editing rewrites, uh, music. And so, yeah, we have about three, four months here. So, um, a director can do potentially two to three episodes in one year. So are you guys getting a better deal, a better rate now that Kim Jong Il's son is in power, or <laughs> other Korea, other Korea, other Korea? <laughs> well, well, you you got to ask these questions. Just We're south of there, core. just south of that one. Yeah. The, t- the dad was a huge fan. The, the new guy, not a fan. He's not giving any breaks to South Korea. Yeah, it's south, funny south, how, south how, how yeah how different the, uh, the the country is. Really, I mean, yeah. North and South. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Yes, in the North, they execute you via mortar shell. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they just make you hold it. And then <laughs> they, they, it. They, make, really? they make your family pay Actually, for the bullet. Yeah. There was a general who had displeased him, and he uh, they marked the spot that he was supposed to stand, and they shot a mortar shell at him. Wow. Yeah, that, that was actually in the news about two months ago. Was, wow. Because one of those things, no, that's not real, is it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's literal overkill. That's 
Yeah. Like if, <laughs> if you had done that on The Simpsons, I, I'd be like, oh, come on. That's crazy. <laughs> that has been done on The Simpsons. I got to ask you, Alex, <laughs> no, what's on. your favorite episode done. that you've worked on? I mean, just watching it after, like, I'm assuming you watch them once they're done, complete. Uh, what's your favorite yeah. episode that you worked on? Um, can you think of let's one? Let's see. I? There was um, probably my favorite one that I worked on, worked on, was um, the Itchy, Scratchy, and Poochie show. Oh, man. That was, mm. man, how long ago was that? Uh, you know, you guys remember that when they introduced the new character? The new character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I think I did a lot of the Itchy and Scratchy stuff, and I did, uh, there was a produce Poochie with Itchy and Scratchy, and Itchy and Scratchy like, who the hell is this? And he, was, he does his stupid poochie rap, and it was ridiculous. But I, I just had so much fun animating that, that entire sequence. So I'm, I'm very fond of that. But, I mean, that's the secret to characters, right? You just make them outlandish and give them really bad attitudes in the skateboard. Exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. And it always works. It always, it always works. works. Poochie. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not more merchandise from Poochie. You know what? I've, I don't, I've never seen. Who's the one hit wonder? One. Yeah. What was his what was his end story? Uh, he went on he went off alone on a road and fell off the trailers. I, I can't remember how it ended. No, I thought it was I, like I, aliens came and took him. Or oh, that's right, aliens. Yeah. Oh, they pulled it. They literally pulled out the cell from the, the, the you got us. Yeah, you got us. Yeah, I'm totally rec, you know, recollecting it now. Yeah, they pull out the cell and and someone had overdubbed the voice. I'm going to leave, and then he just leaves the screen. That's you right. see the bottom of the cell. Like <laughs> that was great. That was great. Uh, you you know you've worked with these characters for a lot of years. I uh, spent a lot of time with them and everything. Uh, have you have you ever thought about what you would like to see as an ideal end to the show? You know, I I have no idea. People ask me, how do you think the show should end? People give me their ideas, and they're like, can you give this to the writer? I'm like, I can't do that. But I, I can never think of a good way to end it. I always think of uh, the way Seinfeld ended, and oh. the potential of that ending could have been great, but it just didn't work. And I think you got to Simpsonize uh, Bob Newhart. And have him in the shower. Yeah, we, we got Bob Newhart, yeah. You know, and, and, and telling his wife, I had this weird dream. We were yellow and we were in a... <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I'm sure the writers have been talking about it for years. I'm sure. They've, they've got a concept already worked out, just in case. Yeah. So, I'm sure they've got it in the yeah. back burner. It's in their back pocket. Um, they better, because it could be... Well, we, we I'm going to speak for the rest of us. We hope that The Simpsons continues on and that you continue on uh, working on it for the you know, forever. Yeah, I, I agree. I, <laughs> I want them to chain you to the chain you to the animation station there and <laughs> keep keep making The Simpsons. We love it. The Simpsons, of course, yeah. on Fox. Alex Ruiz, Mind Over Machine. I'm going to put a link to your uh, art book. Thank uh, you. Also in the show notes. And folks at home who haven't taken a look yet, you're going to be blown away by what Alex is doing. Uh, don't expect Simpsonized characters. I mean, this is some fantastic stuff he's doing. And uh, obviously, Alex Ruiz will have life after Simpsons and life during Simpsons. Uh, I'm really looking forward to If you're, hey, Blizzard, are you watching? <laughs> Mind over machine. <laughs> Get some of this stuff in the World of Warcraft. <laughs> nice. I, I went cold turkey. No more World of Warcraft. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. And uh, especially the art you made for us, the. Uh, 
Simpsonizing. Sorry for asking. <laughs> no, I, I know so I read good. the AMA on Reddit and I know that it was like, Paul, don't, don't, don't. I couldn't help myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to send this probably over to our uh, Korean colorists and have it made into yes, the, uh, the, 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 yeah. the podcast album art. <laughs> we'll take it from there. <laughs> and we're also joined by, of course, Bill Meeks. How you doing, sir? Excellent. I, uh, and, and during the break there, when uh, Orson Scott Card was uh, having a laugh with me there, uh, I, uh, I hear that uh, you have a novel coming out as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, it, I, I don't have an exact date yet, uh, but it's called Dog Boy, Den of Thieves. Ooh. I'd say my first novel. Uh, it, it's basically it's a superhero story about this uh, kid in middle school named Wiley, uh, who you know every superhero his parents die, and uh, as his father's dying, he uh, passes on uh, precognitive power to him, and tells him about a, a trunk in the attic uh, back at home, which contains magic tricks. And a superhero costume. Is his name? Uh, hey, is it Brian Brushwood? His name? I was about to say, is, this is, <laughs> is he got Brian Brushwood hair? <laughs> no, I, I should have Brian read it though, uh, just to make sure I got all the magic stuff right. Uh, the magic stuff actually came from uh, when when I was a kid. Uh, my, my my dad passed away before I was born, but he was a magician, a circus magician, and uh, the only thing I had left from him was uh, a suitcase filled with magic tricks, you know, flash paper, okay. uh, th- things like that. And a lot of those uh, show up in the book, like uh, the flat, oh, what's the flash paper called? I, I completely blanked on it, but there's stuff, a uh, little, little, uh, like uh, bursty things he throws on the ground called wee glimmers, you know, and everything like that. It, it, it started as a short story when I was in college that kind of just like, because, you know, when I was a kid and I had all that stuff, I went back uh, into the woods behind our house and set up a little alcove in the trees where I took that suitcase and I, I made a mask out of an t- old T-shirt nice. and a cape. And uh, I would sneak out of my room at night and wander around the neighborhood. And uh, there was a basketball court down the way where uh, older kids, you know, 14, 15-year-old kids would play basketball and I popped out on them one time being like, you better stop, criminals. And they kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, kick ass. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so it, that's, you know, where the basic concept came from. And he, he uh, moves to the city with his uncle, who's not a really great dude, and uh, gets a job at a magic shop and gets courted by a uh, – kind of like a union of pickpockets, uh, uh, the Guild of Thieves, uh, which is where the title nice. comes from, Den of Thieves. Uh, but it, pretty good, very interesting writing a novel for the first time. I've written a lot of screenplays, but it's the first time I've ever written a novel, which is a completely different animal. Well, I, I like asking uh, uh, authors, what do you use? What's your software or pen and paper of choice? I, you, I'm using Scrivener. Uh, I just discovered Scrivener a little while ago because... Same, same like you. I started with a short story, science fiction story, and then the plot thickened, then it thickened more, and now to the point where I can't keep, you know, grasp of everything that's going on. And Scrivener is a brilliant piece of software. Oh, definitely, it's great because you know you can you can uh, you know just put a little synopsis of the scenes, and uh, then you can kind of look at it visual the whole story visually on one screen, right. move things around, and 
it's just a great piece of software and it's very powerful. I haven't even really delved into the more advanced features mm-hmm. yet, but I, I just started using it for that novel. But uh, I, I, th- I think I might even, you know, writing scripts for work and stuff like that, I might, I might even start using it for that. Right. Do you have an editor, Bill? I do not have doing self-editing now. I'm almost done uh, editing the first draft, which against uh, popular wisdom added about 15,000 words. But yes. uh, some characters <laughs> needed a little more fleshing out. Don't forget, Bill, before, before you send it out, send it to an editor. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, that, that's we, that's definitely one thing case. we have learned on the show. People hate editors, and then they learn to respect and love them. Yes. Now, uh, one of the book uh, on writing by Stephen King. I know a lot of writers don't respect Stephen King, or they're a little bit too highbrow. And oh, Stephen King. Well, guess what? He sold a lot of books. He knows what he's doing. Uh, on writing by Stephen King, he does say, uh, "You're not going to kill your babies." An editor will. Mm-hmm. And when that one scene or that one whole chapter is your baby because you spent 30 hours on it, the editor is going to look at it and say, readers don't want to read this, and you're just going to throw it in the bin. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Where you would never do that. I find myself, I mean, I get someone reading some chapters that I've written, and they go, well, this whole chapter is unnecessary. I'm like, no, I spent 30 hours on it. Like, no, it's unnecessary. Got to get rid of it. That's it, Bill. Get Stephen King's editor and you're done. That's it. <laughs> just like that. You know, while I'm at it, why don't I just go ahead and get Stephen King? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, there are some decent editors in South Korea. So oh, that's right. You there, you there you go. I'll hook you up. It sounds fascinating, Bill. And uh, when you've when you got it out, of course, come back anytime. You're oh, I, I definitely will do. And actually, uh, Padre here, uh, he read the, because, uh, you know, it started as a, Sorry, my screen went blank there. Uh, it started as a short story. Then I wrote it as a screenplay. And uh, I believe you read the screenplay, didn't you? I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> that was a while back. That was a couple months. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah I think I was, I, was an old, I was an old shopkeeper, wasn't I? Like Horace? Yeah, uh, Mr. Horum. Mr. Horum. 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 Uh, That's right. He's the guy who owns the magic shop. But uh, yeah, I definitely will do when I when I finally get this beast done. <laughs> it's a big stack of pages up by my bed that I work on every night. And uh, Bill, for, for our listeners, when I read that, sorry, <laughs> our, for our listeners who haven't seen the video entry you made for the Book Guys show, it it Bill got it dead on what what I was looking for, which is kind of a super friends thing going on. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, I'm gonna put a uh, that'll be just below the Banksy video, of course. Uh, Book guys intro. Well, I, I don't mind coming second place to Banksy. Sir <laughs> <laughs> so Jimmy, doesn't that deserve a ding? That should get a ding, yeah? Uh, get a- hey, don't think don't think you're coming second to Banksy. Just think of him as your opening act. That's right. This is true. <laughs> Warming up the crowd. Uh, we're looking for a software hardware solution to go video. Padre had a great idea last week, which is take the HDMI out. We'll see what we can do. I'm investigating Google Hangouts. I know, guys, we went from Skype to GoToMeeting now, and GoToMeeting works brilliantly, but there's no way to record it video-wise and switch between cameras. So maybe we're going to have to try Google Hangout. Google's good at making technology, but not good at making it usable. So as it stands, I'm trying to figure out how the hell... Uh, Google Hangouts works. Uh, we'll see if let, we can. Let me ask you: uh, do, do you run Windows at all? Uh, only when I absolutely have to. Well, I was a big Windows guy. I'm, I'm sold on Mac now. 
you understand? You might want to, though, because there's this really interesting software that I just started playing with about a month ago called Open Broadcaster Software. Okay. Uh, if you Google it, it'll come up. It's free. And uh, it, it's basically, you know, the same kind of thing as, like, your vid blasters, your Wirecast, right. whatever. But it has a super-duper light footprint. Like, last night uh, while I was watching the NSFW show, I was playing around with it. And I had the show being captured. I had two cameras feeding into it and a couple of other areas of my screen being captured. Okay. And it was taking up less than 10% of my processor power and like two gigs of RAM out of the 16 I have in my machine. Okay. Like, I, you know, I'll consider that. I mean, I'm thinking about adding a second screen here and maybe I can just uh, run Windows on it. Yeah. Yeah, just ch- check it out. It's it's really good, and it's still it's still you know in early days, but I I didn't have I haven't had any crashes or anything with it yet. So the other thing I, I like about uh, the the Hangouts uh, is that then I can have everything on one computer and mm-hmm. still get the show out on video. Whereas something like Wirecast, I'd have to have each one of you on a separate Skype window. So that's another five PCs I have to install and maintain and. Uh, yeah. With, uh, is Wirecast available on Mac? I believe it is. But uh, believe me, since I took over the company here, I, there's no PCs. I, there's been no you know, maintaining, defragging, and I really don't want to get back to that. So <laughs> antivirus. I, I would guess that The Simpsons is done entirely on Macs. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, you know what? Actually, it is. It is? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I work in the printing industry, and I find that most creative people, uh, for whatever reason, are using Macs. Uh, all of our customers are printers in my, my day-to-day business, and it's all Mac. So, I'm in the enterprise, and everything's PC. That's, That's right. Just- <laughs> I'm the odd duck. I'm a creative guy, and I'm, I'm pretty much Windows exclusive, except when I have to use a Mac. I was well, there you go. But the thing is, you know, I, I work mainly in the Adobe suite, and it's the same on both platforms. Mm-hmm. So if you have a stable machine yeah, uh, to good. use it with on, Adobe. you yeah. know, it really doesn't make that big of a difference. So, gentlemen, um, Bill, Meeks, hang on, Meeks Mixed Media, is it .com? Yes. There com. you go. I got it right. And uh, we'll have you back on once you finish your book. Take your time. No rush. <laughs> Good things come to those who wait. And uh, we're going to do some book news. Hopefully you guys can stick around for some book news. We'll do it quickly. And I know you guys have other things to do. But we do have a jingle. Sir Jimmy, you ready? Book news. All right. Which one do I go with first? Um, here's some Apple news. Uh, iOS news that uh, sort of went under the radar because Apple didn't make a big deal out of it. There wasn't a keynote speech. Aston Kutcher, Steve Jobs didn't get on stage. But uh, apparently uh, the newsstand, new feature for the newsstand is that all of the Hearst magazines, they're one of the biggest magazine publishers, are going to be published in the iOS newsstand three to four days before they hit the market. They hit the physical magazine market. Padre, is that a uh, sonic screwdriver you're holding there? It's a sonic <laughs> finger. <laughs> That's Actually, right. it's my green. It's my Green Lantern power ring. Where's Sir Jimmy? <laughs> in brightest day, in blackest night, no oh. evil shall escape my sight. So, so Padre, do you think is this something? Worship. Is this something that's going to help uh, people move to digital? Uh, being able to get their favorite magazine uh, like, uh, four or five days before 
their print copy hits the newsstands? Right. I mean, this is basically the leverage that the uh, publishing companies have right now. They can delay when certain pieces of content get onto certain platforms. So if they're now willing to throw their weight behind e-publishing and say, no, you, you can either get it at the same time or even before you can get a printed copy, then, uh, you know, it only takes one or two publishing companies to do that and get in a competitive edge before everybody follows. Uh, so, yeah, it's a pretty big move. You know, and uh, I think the, the whole delaying release of product before a digital product, before the physical product has been out there for a while, is, has been sort of a copy protection uh, scheme of, the, of sorts, I guess. Where before and they it were, it works they were, really, really well. By the way, yeah. <laughs> hey, a new People music don't copy survey. Things at all. <laughs> Google has funded a survey, and this came out two or three days ago. They funded a survey, and apparently, uh, as far as P two P, as we're talking about piracy right now, P two P users apparently buy the most product. Okay, People good. who oh. pirate video games, music, television shows, books buy more product than people who do not pirate video games, television. So they're the core audience, the core customers of media companies. And apparently none of these P2P users want anyone to have disconnection penalties. Uh, It's like the three strikes you're out. You know, you can't be on the internet anymore if you get caught pirating three times. And uh, it's looking like, uh, yeah. And it's true. (laughs) Anecdotally, I can say that people that I know who... uh, you know, we'll find, go to, I'm not going to say the name of the web. Yeah, sure, I will. EZTV.IT and download TV shows. They buy more TV shows on iTunes than anyone else I know. They subscribe to Netflix. They go into the video store and buy the Blu-ray of The Simpsons. You know, just because someone is downloading uh, the odd episode of The Simpsons on their thing, it doesn't mean that they're, they're the people that have the money that are going out and actually buying these things because they enjoy it. And a lot of times, uh, someone like me, we've discussed before on the show, who I'm going to download that uh, Doctor Who 50th anniversary and I'm going to watch it an hour after it's come out in England illegally because I have no choice. But when that DVD Alleg- comes out, I'll be the first one in line. Allegedly. Download. Allegedly, yes. <laughs> allegedly. This, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, no. I'll say it right now. BBC. love it. No, they I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind. You know what? Send, send the police. BBC, I'm going to legally download that 50th anniversary episode and watch it. And then three years later, when you finally release the Blu-ray, I'm going to buy it. So, you know, that's the correlation there. Fans want to see stuff right away. Uh, It's out because I can't be on the Internet for, you know, a year without having that experience spoiled. So I want to watch it right away or else I have to turn off my Internet connection. So speaking of spoiled, uh, the next little story, not book-related, but of course, we're, we're big Doctor Who fans. There's a TARDIS close, closer bell for you. Wee. Spoiler, if you don't want to be spoiled, Doctor Who, turn uh, fast-forward the podcast about two minutes. So I uh, posted on Twitter a little while ago that I thought that the best thing that uh, Steve Moffat could do for the 50th anniversary episode is to, you know, we've had the, the two Doctors, the three Doctors episodes. I said, you know what? Oh, be great if they just titled the episode The Eleven Doctors. And apparently, that's the rumored title name. And they apparently the the mill, which is the uh, CGI, uh, since we're on the whole animation tip here, that the the mill in UK is working on uh, incorporating 
uh, previous uh, airings of Doctor Who, uh, old footage, modifying it to make it uh, fit in with the HD, uh, you know, the HD Doctor Who episodes now. Uh, they're getting a lot of the existing and living doctors to record audio, new audio to match with that old footage. Uh, we're talking Paul McGann is signed on, which would be great to see him on the screen. Uh, oh, yeah. The only two holdouts, believe it or not, not the dead guys, <laughs> not the guys who have gotten older in age and, you know, it's um, the doctors 10 and 9. <laughs> Try and get Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant in. They're the last holdouts. Come on, guys. You still look the same. You can play the part. They're holding out for a little money, maybe. Who knows? But uh, it's looking like it's going to be the 11 Doctors. Uh, Another rumor source here. I don't have the source. I didn't write down the source. I should have. Uh, Is that they have also reached out to TARDIS builders and owners of uh, spot-on police box owners. It looks like not only might we, might we have the 11 Doctors, we might have the uh, all 11 uh, versions of the TARDIS appearing in the show. That's the, it, folks. The TARDI. The TARDI. <laughs> the TARDIS. If only somebody had a way to get a TARDIS in your own, in your kid's bedroom. Oh, hey, hey. Shush, shush, Sir Jimmy. <laughs> That's right. between me and Think Geek. We're working on it. <laughs> Top Seeker. We'll reveal it later. In one space. That's right. That would be amazing. We've been talking about, Sir Jimmy and I have been talking about 3D printers in a while in another show, talking about how uh, the concept of banning guns is almost obsolete because you can't ban uh, physical weapons. You know, within the next 20, 30 years, you won't be able to ban knives. You won't be able to ban guns because someone can just print them. (laughs) It's going to get worse, folks. 3D printers, bioprinters. Now, 3D printers are already apparently shaping medicine as we know it. They're already printing uh, biological material. Looking at, we are a decade or two away from printing a biological part. They're talking about entire organs, where these 3D printers will be able to take matter and print out a new lung. Here's your new kidney. I don't need a new lung, let me tell you. Um, Liver. Liver. <laughs> I, let me ask you: Is there any mention about them printing out hair follicles? No reason. Hey, look. Hey, Bill. Come on. Look at this. Ooh, I'm beating you, buddy. Hey. hey. But uh, you know, I'm thinking now. Kids at home. Daddy, can I get a puppy? Daddy, can I get a puppy? Daddy, can I get a puppy? No. You leave the can kid I alone. A puppy. Two hours with their 3D printer. She's printing a puppy. <laughs> So a lot, a lot of ramifications here. You know, there's a lot of uh, ethics here. Uh, you know, you know, if you can print a lung, maybe in 50 years from now, like I'm not even kidding, probably could print a puppy. <laughs> Scary. Wow. Scary technology. Printing technology is going nuts. Uh, we've got also a forthcoming erotic novel being described as fan fiction. It's going to feature Barack and Michelle Obama, and it's going to be in the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey style. <laughs> no. Really? <laughs> Fifty Shades of the White House? Fifty Shades of the White House. I'm not even going to mention. You know what? This is, this is a rubbish story, so I'm not even going to mention yeah, the author. Let's skip that. I'm, I'm afraid of what I might say. I would just say <laughs> if they picked any president, they probably should have picked Clinton. 
natural fit. He might have even written a forward for it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he would have. He would have posed for the cover. Come on. <laughs> uh, big news in Canada, of course. Now Kindle devices are now available on the Canadian Kindle store and in physical locations. Uh, previously, we had to go to Amazon.com, buy it from the American. And this is a big deal, Padre, because. Uh, I've recently purchased, I bought this. Actually, I'm going to talk about it. This is a great product. It's called the Book Book. It's a little book that you put your iPhone 5 into. It's replaced my wallet. Because I keep losing my wallet, and I never lose my cell phone. So you can put your credit cards in here on the one side. You put a couple nice. of bills, money in there, and it keeps your phone handy. I uh, got that from Amazon.ca. No tax. If anything I buy from Amazon.com hits the border. I get a call from UPS or FedEx, and they say, Hey, who would you like to clear it? Oh, yeah, you. So I got to pay like $30 for FedEx to clear it through customs. Then I got to pay tax on top of it. So this is huge for us. Now we can get a Kindle. Yay. <laughs> Good for you, eh? Slow book news week. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, many of our listeners are Twitter tweeters. What do we call Tweeps? Tweeps. Yeah, Bill Meeks, where can people find you on the tweeters? On the tweeters, uh, you can find me at Bill Meeks, surprisingly enough. There oh, you wow. go. Get lucky. And Mr. Ruiz, Alex Ruiz, animator for The Simpsons. You can find me at Alex Ruiz Art. One word, Alex Ruiz Art. Very nice, folks. Follow them. Follow them. They are good tweeps. I'm glad you told me that because I tweeted earlier to Alex underscore Ruiz, who must be no. some poser out there. Dude. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Oh. Uh, guys, it's been a blast. Thank you so much. Alex Ruiz. Absolutely. Bill Meeks. There you go. That's the song. That's the song. Ah, we'll be back next week. We've got some podcasters on. We'll tweet about it later. Got some podcasters on. We got working on some big guests. Can't give that away. We have some huge guests coming up soon. Almost as big as Alex Ruiz and Bill Meeks. Almost. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. It's been a blast. Good to be here. Padre, we'll see you next week. Professor Allen will return. Sir Jimmy will be spending all that money he got in Vegas. See you next week, folks. Stay book time. Stay book channel. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. Thank you.